It is noon straight up with Gresham and Keith. Welcome in on the day after the 4th of July. Hopefully everybody had a great holiday and that you are still enjoying some of the uh, downtime. Because right now it is in the downtime mode for the gentleman who will join us right now on the Harbor One Hotline. Our buddy Patriots insider from NBC Sports Boston, Tommy Kern. And Tommy is brought to us by Matthew Lepresti and Leonard Hair Transplant Associates, the hair doctor of Tommy Curran at 1-800-GET-HAIR. That is a uh, correct uh, description of what's going on right now, right, Tommy? This is like the calm before the storm. Or, like, I, like I wonder if you're like a kid who is ending up going to, like, training camp or college camp where it's like you're Xing days off the calendar, dreading that you'll be getting non responses from Bill Belichick in 95 degree heat. Uh, you know what? This has been such a privilege but also such an arduous beat over the years mm-hmm. i mean no matter if it was 2020 when they you know signed cam newton in the end of june or last off season when the scrutiny of of mac and cam competing for the job was a daily dramatic exercise or all the years of their great success with brady it's weird to not have some kind of simmering situation to pay attention to with this team so yeah i'm, I'm kind of looking forward to getting to camp and getting you know our teeth sunk into what the 2022 patriots are going to be like is it a bridge team is it a rebuilding team that is bracing for 2023 or is it a legitimate contender to be a final eight team in the afc where do you come down right now? Obviously, there's so much time until they even play a game that matters. But just on you know July 5th, out of all those different categories that you kind of put out there, which one would you put them in right now? I really feel like it's a bridge team, Rich. I mean, 2020 was there. 2019 was their 2009. And 2020 was their 2009. Kind of cratered. Got right against the cap. You know, new broom sweeps clean. They moved on and they started to restaff this team. So that happened in 2019 and 2020. They braced for the rebuild and they tried to execute it in 2021, which they did to a really well, a good extent. They brought in a, a coterie of guys who they think can be good through free agency, kept trying to hammer it in the draft and did so with Mac Jones and Ramondre Stevenson and, you know, had Kyle Duggar from the year before. And then this year is going to be, again, I think another catch their breath, try and see where they are, and then next year add into all those hills, holes with Spackle that they didn't get right. Is Nelson Aguilar the right guy? Is Jonathan Smith the right guy? Um, what happens with Devin McCourty? Who's out there for a, a shutdown corner? Those are going to be addressed next year. That's why I think this year is very much a, a recalibration of what they need because I don't think they're a Super Bowl contender and I would imagine you guys agree with that, right? I do for sure. Yeah, Gresh is higher on him than I am. but Yeah, yeah. I think Mac's going to be really good, and I think they're going to take another step forward. But it's interesting, uh, Tom, because it's almost like the descriptor that we put on this team. Last year it was rebuilding. This year it's, you call it a recalibration. Some would say retooling. Some would say rebuilding. They're almost in kind of this sort of gray zone right now in terms of, I think, how people sort of look at this team. Like They're good, but they're not great. But is this year two of a four-year rebuild? I think people are struggling with all that. 
Yeah, and they should be, but that's the reality of the NFL. And when Belichick came here in 2000, that was really, you know, in some ways a three- to four-year rebuild. It was found money in 2001 to have happen what did happen. But in 2002, that was reasonable. There's going to be, we saw the lag. 2003, they had drafted so brilliantly and gotten so many good free agents that they were in a different position. When I did a, a recent stacking and we talked about it who are the 10 best players on the patriots right now there's nobody on that list who came aboard the team really from 2014 through 2019 or 2020 Duggar, i think would be the only one right mm-hmm. yeah 2020 mm-hmm. so that dead period makes it harder for them to be on the same track but there's guys that they picked up in the last couple of years and guys they're going to pick up through free agency. I looked at this team, and Julian Edelman referenced this last week when he was on the I Am Athlete podcast. We fixate on Mac. We worry about who's calling the plays and what's going to happen post-Josh McDaniels. But really the bigger issue this team has is going to be on defense because they're not equipped to come from behind. And we saw last year they absolutely pummeled some horrible teams. They crushed the Jets twice. They crushed Houston. Uh, excuse me. They crushed um, Atlanta. They beat the hell out of Tennessee when Tennessee was without AJ Brown and um, Derrick Henry. They punished Jacksonville late in the year, but there were games against teams like New Orleans. They fell behind and never could come back. There were games against down the stretch Indianapolis, down twenty to nothing, couldn't come back. Get behind. Um, uh, excuse me. Uh, they got behind uh, Buffalo. Um, in one of the two final games, couldn't come back. They got behind Miami in the final game of the regular season, couldn't come back. So when the defense laid down, Mack wasn't able to bring them back because they weren't equipped to do so. This year's defense is totally retooled. They can't get behind 10 nothing in the first quarter against teams mm-hmm. and hope to come back. So I think the defense, as Edelman thought, is really the key to how well Mac Jones develops this year. Now, I know well, I get the sense anywhere that Bill Belichick wouldn't think about his team in this sense where he's or he's only focused on his team, whereas us from the outside can look at the rest of the conference. For example, there are some years where, you know, making it to the conference, say semifinals or the divisional round is much more impressive than it is in other years. And I feel like the AFC this year is absolutely loaded. So even if this Patriots team, you're like, oh, they could they could find a way to be frisky, but then you look around at all the quarterbacks and you look at the even the defensive improvements that they've made, it kind of goes back to your idea of the retool and the, and the rebuild because they seem to be pretty far away from the upper echelon teams in the conference today. Yeah, and, and that's an adjustment I think that people, everybody has to get their minds around. And the enjoyment that you can derive as a fan or a media member or whatever in watching them develop, you know, that that's part of it. It's part of being a fan, but it is a tough adjustment when you look at, okay, Bill Belichick has this litany of success over the course of time, and he was also at the wheel when things didn't go well. Are we kicking rocks over that? Or do we say, eh, big deal, that's what happened. Okay, moving on. Because that's what's interesting when there's that continuity from one guy who's been here the whole time. And we can't necessarily say the Patriots cratered to an extent that any other team did. And there's certainly extenuating circumstances of having the best player of all time on your team and then not having him. But that's one thing that makes 
this a weird do you get what i'm saying is you can't just look at the team as it rebuilds and say oh this is fresh and new and they're building to something it's like mm-hmm. oh what could have been if they didn't just you know draft Nikhil harry right it's Tom- an interesting dynamic yeah tommy Kern of nbc sports boston here with uh gresham keith I do think there is the – and you mentioned it with Edelman, right? And and Edelman uh, mentioned it on the I Am Athlete podcast. And, Tommy, I know you're going to write about this. But defensively, what is the one spot? Is there a spot that if they get better, the defense will automatically get better? To me, it's along that defensive line because mm-hmm. we've looked at linebacker and said that's why they couldn't stop the run. They couldn't stop the run because they got pushed around too many times up front. But don't you, Gresh, think that you at least have more guys who you would consider, okay, I know what the answer is there. Whether or not he plays to that level is a different story. Whether it's Godshaw or Wise or Barmore or Lawrence Guy, um, who really didn't play that great at the end of the year. And I think we've all been huge Lawrence Guy fans for a while Mm -hmm. uh, as an underrated player. But, you know, they have to play better up front. And I think I'm missing some of the big fellas, too. well, but you at have, least you know who they are. Yeah, you have Godshaw. You have, uh, obviously, Barmore is a guy you're going to look to get more out of. But, you know, is that those players getting better? Or is that the Patriots needing to adjust the scheme a little bit? Because I know we're going back to the early 2000s and defensive tackles. But can you effectively be a two-gap player anymore in the NFL without being like Jordan Davis at 6'6 and 355 pounds and can run real fast in a straight line. Speaking of Davis, there's a Carl Davis there too. Oh, that's um, true. I don't yeah. know. That's yeah. a smaller brother. Who, <laughs> at least I can say there's a name and I know who's probably going to start there. Who's going to start on the second level? Safety is absolutely loaded and that's great. You know, you get Adrian Phillips, who we often forget about along with McCord and Duggar. But on the corners, that to me is the biggest place that is a nagging concern because since Akeem Tlaib was traded for in 2012, the Patriots have had a, shut, had a shutdown corner with Luis Tlaib or Revis or Malcolm Butler and Revis at the same time. Well, not actually. That's a misnomer. Um, but <laughs> Malcolm Butler and then Butler and Gilmore and then Gilmore and Jackson – it's always been somebody you could say that a defensive coordinator or a quarterback is going to go, that guy's going to burn us. Jalen Mills is not going to be looked at that way. I don't think this Butler will be. I don't know if Jack Jones will be. Maybe at some point he will, but he's going to get tested. Shutdown corner has been a stabilizer for the Patriots' defense, and they don't have it now. So that, to me, would be a big concern on its own, never mind the fact you've got Tyreek Hill and Stephon Diggs and Jalen Waddle and whoever the Jets are trotting out there, Braxton Berrios. Now, you, uh, going back to the Element podcast real quick when uh, his appearance on there, the other thing that jumped out was his real brutal honesty on the assessment of Jimmy Garoppolo and how sort of the team felt about Jimmy Garoppolo when he had an opportunity to fill in for Tom Brady. And I know Edelman's been in the media for like a little bit, but that was something that jumped out. Like that's what makes those guys good. Like you can't really hold anything back, but I'm sure it can be tough because, you know, you don't want to just rip some guy or hurt his feelings, somebody that you know pretty well. But what did you, what did you make of Edelman on Garoppolo? I was surprised that he went to that extent because it's, you know, really shooting it straight yeah. on the climate. But, but you know, that was a fascinating time because we spent that week looking at, you know, Jacoby Myers had, you know, quarterbacks, I, I think like 
27 nothing win over Houston. It was mm-hmm. really special teams aided. But the team's 3-0. and But Garoppolo had done nothing in his time out there to dissuade anybody from thinking he was going to be the successor. So the climate is you got Jimmy has just proven how good he is. Brady, the last time we saw him, had gotten absolutely battered in the 2015 AFC Championship game. So it was clear, okay, he's 39. He just got the hell beat out of him. He completed less than 50% of his passes. Jimmy's obviously really good. We have an issue here. So he certainly probably had gained the trust of Belichick and McDaniels. All he had to do was win the locker room at that point, Jimmy. Mm -hmm. And he couldn't. And he failed to. And those guys were looking to him probably that week and saying, what are you going to do? You're out there practicing. I know it's your right shoulder, but you're actually throwing the ball and taking reps. What are you going to do? And when he sat down, I think that probably cinched it. Even if it was the smart thing to do physically and for his own health and for his own future, I think that that really set a climate for the rest of the team in, in early 2016 to say, what are we even talking about with this guy succeeding, Tom? He can't. And then Brady comes back and plays like he does the rest of 2016. He plays like he does the rest of 2017, and Jimmy's still hanging on. And that really leads to, I think, a lot of the, what are we doing? What's mm-hmm. our plan? That guy didn't even want to play when Tom was down. What are we talking about? So I find that to be an interesting underlying aspect to what was going on then. Uh, Tommy, quickly, I know you're a big Celtics fan. What do you make of Malcolm Brogdon coming to uh, Boston? Uh, I've been walking on air for four days. <laughs> I mean, he is exactly what they needed. Uh-huh. There's no reason to move on from Marcus Smart. There's no reason for Marcus Smart to be not, to not be a part of the Celtics team. But when we talk about an anti-Marcus Smart in terms of running an offense, that's Malcolm Brogdon. I mean, he's a more productive player if you look at every single advanced statistic. He's a better player than Marcus Smart on the offensive end. So no matter how Marcus played and how many stats we can exhume from 2022 to say this is a really elite point guard we're looking at, we know it's not. But Brogdon is a professional in so many ways on the offensive end. I'm sure both of them will share the duties, mm-hmm. but everything that Smart makes you concerned about offensively, Brogdon answers. So fantastic signing. I almost say, and maybe I'm cuckoo, why even bother with Durant now? Why well, even do I, listen, I'm with you. I don't want Durant anyway, but uh, this makes it so much easier. Yep. It, it does. It makes him feel like a uh, complete group. Tommy Kern of NBC Sports Boston. You're off next week, correct, friend? I'm going to St. Kitts. Ooh, all right? I've wow. never been there. As we get older, we do a little bit more travel, and we go outside the country. Those trips to Disney World are over. <laughs> so if anybody has recommendations on St. Kitts and Nevis, wow, let me know. Just hit me up on the Twitter. All right. All right. I can't help you there. there but that's, no, uh, nor- so maybe somebody in our yeah, listening audience right. can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston. We'll catch you in two weeks, Tom. Enjoy the, town t- uh, the downtime. Thank you. All right, buddy. See ya.